0: Well, hello, and welcome to the Through the Word podcast, as pastors Chris Mitchell and John Bell seek to answer questions that come from the reading of God's Word, beginning in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Thank you for joining us. Well, hello, I'm Pastor John Bell. And here today with me, I have Michael Neal. Nice. I was pausing. I was waiting for Michael to introduce himself, <laughs> but I'm sorry, Michael. I should have introduced you. No worries. Here I am. And, and so we had Michael Neal here with me today. Many of you know him. He, he helps lead worship, and he also leads our student ministry here. And so I'm thankful for Michael and that he could be here. And today, there's going to be some role reversal for me because I'll be answering questions instead of asking questions thankful that Pastor Chris is having the opportunity to serve our convention and thankful for his leadership in that way and so we are happy to have this time of podcast right here but be, please be praying for the Southern Baptist Convention and as well as you know churches across our nation to proclaim the truth of Jesus and to study God's word which is what we're going to talk about today and Michael if it's all right with you, can you know, we get into some of these questions from the Psalms?
1: Yeah, absolutely. First one is out of Psalm thirty-two. What is a masculine? What is a masculine?
0: Well, the unfortunate answer, like the one to many questions, is we don't know. Don't, don't <laughs> we don't know? Um, but there there are definitions that are given, and so let's go to the Lexicon Bible, Bible Dictionary first, and it says. It's just a word appearing in subscri- superscription. So that's the titles that we talked about last week. like in Psalm and 13 different Psalms. You got 32, 42, 44, 45, 52 through 55, 74. I, I keep on going, but I'm going to stop. And, but it's a Hebrew word. Um, it also appears in Psalm 47, 7, where it is translated as Psalm. And so the term masculine it most likely just comes from the verb maskil or skill, which means to have insight or to be skillful, but there's some others. So this would imply that the psalm is performed with skillful insight. Um, Easton's Bible Dictionary holds to that position as well, um, that it's a psalm done with skillful insight. Um, Urban's Bible Dictionary, it adds that there's various meanings that have been suggested, including it's useful, a useful song, or it's instructive or educational, um, and that it can be used for meditation. So if we're going to combine those definitions while saying we don't know still, we're going to combine those definitions based on a Hebrew study it seems that a masco is an effective educational psalm to be performed with skill. And so I, we, as we get into the study of those, let's see let's, let's see about about that And so I would say that we want to perform all songs with skill and do it all for the Lord. Right?
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Uh, it looks like a, we have another similar question out of Psalm 60. Um, what is a miktam?
0: Okay. <laughs> so, again, we don't know. And most Hebrew dictionaries simply say that it is a musical term. Um, it's a term found in headings of Psalm 16, 56 through 60. Uh, the meaning's not certain. Um, but earlier commentators, some of them would relate it to gold and a document to be inscribed on steel uh, that's from edmund's dictionary um it's a poem that's found in those those songs that we said and it means golden or precious and so just to, a short answer to say to, to that is no we don't know but based on the the hebrew word there having to do with gold it seems like it means that this is a psalm to be considered as precious one that could be stamped on gold
1: Very interesting. Actually, I did not know the meaning behind that. It looks like we have another question um, out of the psalm. Psalm 33, what is a liar? Okay, well, well,
0: one a liar is Satan. Mm. Yeah, he's the liar. But this is is another L-Y-R-E, and it's an instrument. Um, We know that it is a stringed instrument, and... Without sounding like a broken record, we don't exactly know what it is, but some depictions that have been given of it, um, you can find them in Baker's Encyclopedia of the Bible. So it has a bridge, you know, like when we're thinking of a guitar, has a bridge, it has a sound hole, and it has a body, like a word, the strings will come down and attach. But the difference that would definitely be found from the guitar is that the strings aren't designed in a way that they come down in a triangle from top to bottom, so almost looking like a harp, but a very small harp that has a sound hole like a guitar would have, but it would only be tuned probably to one key, so it would have eight notes, and you would tune that to whatever
1: key you desire to play in, and it could be plucked or strummed. Interesting. Uh, We need to set up a camera here because John just gave a very good visual (laughs) description of this that only I can see. So if you want to know the visual description, ask me and I will tell you. We have another question. Uh, Out of Psalm 51, what is hyssop and what purpose does it serve in repentance?
0: Well, first of all, repentance is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone and surrender to Him and turning from sin and seeking to follow Him. Um, So let's think about it along those lines. But if you want to get into a tex- technical term here from the Lexham Bible Dictionary, hyssop is a plant used in rituals for ceremonial cleansing and atonement. Um, this is—it's also a branch that God told the Hebrew people to use as they placed blood over their doorpost during Passover. And so, thinking about it, having this cleansing element to it, they would—they dipped the hyssop in the blood, they put it over the doorpost. And that's why the angel of death passed over that home. And so what you have here is a sprinkling of, you know, blood or water. It's it's not clear necessarily, but some type of sprinkling taking place in a remembrance and a humility before God that with this hyssop. Um, the, what the plant is believed to be is like a mint plant. It's not a very strong plant. It's just something that you could shake, you know, that has small leaves on it. And so that's believed to what it is. It's like a mint plant that grows in northern Africa and in the Middle East. And it's, you know, it's interesting enough that this is from Matthew Henry. And so just his expression about the hyssop in his commentary, you know, he's talking about David here. He says, he prays that God would cleanse him from all his sins and the defilement that he had contracted by them. Purge me with hyssop that is pardon my sins, and let me know that they are pardoned, that I may be restored to those privileges which by sin I have forfeited and lost. And so the expression here alludes to a ceremonial distinction, that is a cleansing of the leper or those who are unclean by the touch of a body, and so they would sprinkle the water or the blood or both upon them with a bunch of hyssop, but by which they were at the length, and they it discharged from their restraints and they were laid under it and it said, Lord, let me be as assured of my restoration to thy favor and the privilege of communion with thee as I thereby assured of the remission of the former privileges. And so it's founded upon a gospel of grace. Again, this is Matthew Henry's words, not mine. Purge me with that hyssop or this is coming from the Bible, but I just want you to know that I'm reading Matthew Henry's words and not mine. Purge me with the hyssop, that is, with the blood of Christ applied to my soul, and liveth by faith, as water of persecution was sprinkled with a bunch of hyssop, and that the blood of Christ, which is therefore called the blood of sprinkling, as is found in Hebrews twelve twenty four, And so just understanding there's this idea of the sprinkling that's taking place of... What was placed over the doorpost is it's kind of the ritual that's believed to be going on right here with hyssop but the technical thing is it's a it's a mint plant if that was what the question was meant to ask <laughs> maybe that was more than
1: <laughs> no i think that was great i think it's a it's a wonderful text there i mean psalm 51 you know the verse 7 purge me with hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow let me hear joy and gladness let the bones that you have broken rejoice Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me, restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. It's a wonderful text for a cry of repentance. Hmm. We have another question here. Um, it says, many of the Psalms seem to be reflected in the Sermon on the Mount. In your opinion, is that on purpose?
0: Okay, well, i um... I'm thankful for the reference to my opinion um, on this, and, and I would say yes, it's on purpose. Um, and I'll, I'll go into some reasons, and there's support for these, um, but that just answering the question is, and in my opinion, just based on mainly a lot from personal study in scriptures. So Jesus is the Word of God, we know that, right? The Psalms represent cries to God and praises before God, and many of them they're written by David, which he's considered to be, by God's own definition of him, a man after God's own heart, and so it would stand to reason that when Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, as, as we call it, and makes mention to the people who are of, are of the people who are part of the kingdom of God, that the psalmist would be among these. Now, it's not all of them, because we're included in that list as well, but does that mean that the sermon is only a reflection of the Psalms? No, um, but let's just take these examples from the Beatitudes, which are from Matthew five two through eleven or three through twelve, um, which is you know part of the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning in many ways. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so, think about Psalm forty two. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? And then there's an answer to that. And I shall again praise the Lord of my salvation. And so just to, you know, we're, if you're downcast, we know that we will be comforted because we're part of the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of earth. Well, Psalm thirty-seven, eleven, says this, the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundance of peace. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Psalm 5, lead me, O Lord, to righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And Psalm 34 throughout shows a psalmist that is seeking peace and not evil. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And there's a long list of this in Psalm 18, 35, 38, 119, 129. Keep on going there. They all show the psalmist in the midst of persecution crying out for help so that it would be recognized that the Lord would deliver them. And so, so, does it seem like the Sermon on the Mount reflects the Psalms? Yes. At the same time, we need to recognize that Jesus is the fulfillment of all Scripture, all the cries in the Psalms, the prophecies, the prophets, the promises given to Abraham and to Moses, and his promise return. And so... Now, John Piper, he puts it this way, all of scripture, but especially the Psalms, was the script and the strength of Jesus' life. And so the script and the strength of Jesus' life. Jesus was truly God and truly man. And as true God, he was omnipotent and needed nothing. But as true man, he was frail and he needed strength. He needed the food of scripture to have the strength to fulfill Scripture in this way. He became for us an example of living by faith. So that's John Piper. And so, so Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God in the Sermon on the Mount, and he lives it out in his own words. In his own, he lives out his own words that are in the Psalms. And so are you thinking about a psalmist cries out, but then after those cries, what always comes? a praise. And so you have God in in himself being weak and in our flesh, but yet in the cries, his omnipotence and who he is as God is answered. So the psalmist that are being fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And so, you know, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus states that everyone who hears the words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Psalm eighteen two and three says the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, my horn of my salvation, my stronghold, and I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies.
1: Well, that's awesome. Thank you, John, for that. I love seeing that, um, you know, in the text, it's just so awesome to see how the sovereignty of God and see how um, throughout all of time, he um, is quoting these things that happened thousands of years before and proving the fact that he himself is God and sovereign over all of the universe. Um, So that's all the questions we have. Um, I definitely appreciate that you uh, put the time and effort and answer in these uh, and giving us just a wonderful explanation of these texts.
0: Well, thank you. And thanks for coming and joining me today and asking it. the questions and helping it. moderate this session. And Pastor Chris, we do miss you. Look forward to having you back and joining us. But just thank you guys for also joining us today. If you have any questions for us, please send those in to Through the Word 22. That's through the word and the number 22 at gmail.com. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today on the Through the Word podcast. If you have any questions for us, please send those in to Through the Word 22 at gmail.com. That's Through the Word and the number 22 at gmail.com. God bless you. Have a great day.